Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Father, thank you for tonight. For we've come here to take you serious. And we want to hear those men that, that are passionate and are wise and are intense about your affairs. Allow us to capture, not to be taught. There's a, there's, there's a teaching. Some things in the Bible are to be taught. But the spirit of Wellington Boone is something that we have to catch. Not, we have to not be taught, but caught. I pray, Father God, that you allow us to receive the intensity of his passion for you as he teaches the word of God to the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With me, they accepted uh, my request to come here and talk to you, and I'm excited about it. Glory to God. I, I really do believe that God is doing something special, and I want to take you right away to the scriptures. And I have to be finished before six o'clock this evening because my men's meeting begins at six. So I'll guarantee you I'm going to hurry. Turn with me to, uh, to um, Ephesians, no, Genesis chapter six. Glad to have my woman with me uh, this morning. Uh, next month we'll represent, look, 20, no, 42 years we will have been married as of next month. And I mean, before that, I was on a year-by-year -year contract with her. That woman is a serious woman. I'm telling you right now, after 30, she said, it's okay. So she kept me, and it's working out. Glory to God. In, uh, in, in Genesis chapter um, 6 and verse 9, it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. I want you to note that statement. And Noah walked with God. Now I want to ask you to turn back one chapter to Genesis chapter 5 and look at verse 22. It says, And Enoch walked with God. After that, he begat Methuselah 300 years and, and uh, begot sons and daughters. And the days and all the days of Noah were 360 and five years. And look at verse 24 again. It says, and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Father, help us this morning that our walk will make a difference. In such a way, Lord Jesus, that you can define in a way that is redemptive to the whole earth and a blessing to heaven. That not a single person under the sound of my voice would die until your will is fulfilled in their lives. Oh my God, don't allow us to come into the earth and just fulfill human designations or just do things that are clearly only natural. You made the whole earth. So therefore, in some ways, the earth is defined by your intention. I thank you, Lord, that you also have control of your creation. And that no matter what is happening in the earth, 
if they don't factor you in, they have the wrong equation. And so I thank you, Lord, you've already written the book and decided what is going to happen in the end of it. And and not only include us in, let us be fully invested. We say to you this morning, not our will, thy will be done in our earths as it is in heaven. We glorify you because as that happens, exceptionality is here. That while masses may be demonstrating darkness and full of wickedness and evil, Lord, let us be the remnant company that makes the difference in this day of decline. Don't look to someone else to be used while we are available. Break the yoke. Release the heavy burden. Let us flow in a divine unity with heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Yes, Lord. Thank you for the sending of Holy Spirit. Here right now. Not only to make a difference, but to lead us clearly into what you want done. You decided to work through vessels of clay. You are the one that determined we would be alive in this generation. So we say, Lord, fulfill your will in every person here today. Where the devil has usurped as he attempted to do it in heaven. Where iniquity was found in him. You cast him and iniquity out of, he- out of heaven. And Lord, we thank you that you've left us here now to be delivered by your power and then to stop the progression of iniquity. That the light and love of Jesus would penetrate the earth and reach people everywhere. What you determined to do in us and what you determined to do through us, we say, Lord, amen to it. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people said, Today, it's going to be like almost a smorgasbord, but it's going to be around this topic of eternity talk. I'm gripped by eternity, and I know that some of us, like I'm at 67, I'm closer to heaven than I've ever been. And I call myself old, and some people say, you're not old. I said, I don't care. The issue for me isn't longevity. The issue is completion of destiny. In other words, when God's finished with me, he can have me. Then I don't want to stay in the earth to live in this body, which is clearly less than what is going to be in the next world. Because when I shared this earthly tabernacle, I have a tabernacle uh, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The real me is not the me you see. I'm not talking about hypocrisy. I'm talking about this physical body. It's not... Uh-uh. So therefore, I want to say to you that are going through some things physical. The issue now is, are you fully invested in God? Have you given up everything to him? And in the, in the in the, John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. Paul goes further than that, actually. And he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So he changes the paradigm. I must die, he must live. Now, I'll tell you today 
that it's obvious that the messaging that you hear today center around how your life can increase rather than God's life increases in you. I'm telling you today that the messaging that you hear often today center around how things can be better for you rather than how things can be better through you. The goal of God has already been determined. And I quoted to you out of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus told his disciples to pray. Notice, he didn't tell masses. He said, disciples, pray like this. And it becomes a basic that, number one, you know God is your father. Now, God is four things that the Bible says God is. He's love, he's, he's holy, he's light, and he's a consuming fire. He creates the earth and fulfills redemption out of his love, but he judges out of his holiness. Now, it seems as though not very much is talked about the holiness of God. The love of God creates the world and redeems mankind, but the holiness of God creates the standard and judges mankind. Now, I'm going to go there real quick with you. And for the Supreme Court, who the chief justice swears the president in on a Bible to be president because every nation exists by reason of a covenant with God, which, which clearly many nations are in such decline, but they're not only in a decline, they're in a retrograde. They're against God. They've adopted principles that come under the spirit of Ishmael. They're walking a pathway, not only of death, but iniquity. And that even though they may seem to be right or righteous in some of the things they're saying, without Christ and doing as the bottom line, that means they're getting the glory of some other God is. But some other God is not God. And the Bible is clear about it. And so when someone defines something or acts in a way contrary to what is already in the Holy Writ, then you make yourself out to be an enemy of God. Now, if you're strong enough to fight against God, I, I really like to meet you. Just really to take your picture. And now you carry these phones with you. I do have my notes on the phone. I, my assistant sent them to me this morning. But I want to take your picture and put under it Someone stronger than God. Underneath it, though, I want to post it in the Facebook, what, right? Or do what, a, a Twitter on it? And put under that, though, the greatest liar that ever lived. <laughs> You're out of your mind to fool with somebody that has no beginning. Somebody that was in the beginning before the beginning began. Somebody that can create not only the earth, but can create galaxies, and, and, and create uh, uh, solar systems. And, and even though we would define uh, the, the blood moon that just happened recently, and we kind of talk about Israel in the light of it, I think uh, uh, Pastor Hagee wrote a book about it. And we're still looking for signs to try to determine what God is doing with Israel, therefore find out what God is doing with us. I mean, get all the signs you want, but now you're called to have not only a sign of God, but the reality of God inside of you. For a Christian not to have a clue about what God is doing says there is a disconnect somewhere. Okay, you're not going to be clapping by the time I'm finished. Because I'm gonna, I do. He's right. He was right. I'm going for it with you. Because 
God is expecting the Christians to make a difference for the people in decline. And if you can't tell that somehow in the Christendom, there is a falling away. And the Bible says in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away. So you have to have been somewhere to fall away. Are you in that falling away number? How do you define your devotion toward God? Do you define it by what happens in the church meeting? Do you, do you have a problem with it? I mean, listen, and uh, uh, even my brother was saying, to, we got to hurry up and get things so that Bishop will have enough time. Time for what? Why don't I have all the time I want? Because he's discerning something in you. There is not a toleration for you, even for revelation. That is somehow, boom, get it said, get it done, so I can get out of here. What? Men, you want to see the football game? And how long is that going to last? Is that longer than the church? Do you prefer that more than you do the church? Well, guess what? The church is you. And if you don't like the people in the church, then just, just be clear about it. Then maybe you and those people won't be in heaven. Because thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The greatest gathering place once you leave the prayer closet and your home is when the saints gather. That, that, that's all I'm going to say about that. If you don't know that, you're in decline. You're in decline. Now let me go into biblical history with you. So God told Adam, I make you in my image. So God made Adam and his wife with his hands. Then he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. So that all, everyone else came through his handiwork, the union of the marriage bed. You cannot have conception without God allowing it. Meaning that you can be married and have the union of the marriage bed, and it doesn't mean necessarily you're gonna, she's going to get pregnant that, and that you're going to have children. But in some, in some ways, that's the result of Adam's sin. Because God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. God blessed Adam before he ever physically made him. And so consequently, one of the first uh, words or the first word of blessing is fruitfulness. So you have a couple things. One, the fruitfulness of character. I make you in my image and after my likeness, and I decided to indwell you so if people want to know how I think, what I say, and how I act, I have made Adam to be a visible manifestation of an invisible reality. I'm eternal. I'm the God of heaven. But I am making him like me in the earth. If you don't know that, you've retrograded. There's something basic you don't get. Jesus comes as the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15. And, and the Bible clearly defines that. But the challenge was the last Adam, the first Adam, failed. Now watch. In that failure, I want you to turn with me just for a minute. Keep, I got both of your fingers covered. I want to give you another scripture so you won't say I'm in decline by not talking out of the word. So in Revelation, oh yeah, I forgot. I got these. I got this on my notes. 13, go ahead and turn. I know where that, what that is. Revelations 13. And verse 8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, 
whose names are not written in the book of life, book of life, of the Lamb, watch. This is the phrase I want to note. Slain from the foundation of the world. You can say it this way. There was mercy in the Godhead. In other words, before God ever made man, because he's the Alpha and Omega, he already knew in advance Adam was going to fail him. So in the Godhead, he's already the lamb slain. When, when God said, who's going to go to redeem mankind? Jesus had already in eternity volunteered to be the one to fix the failure of Adam. Well, it's, it's, it's true anyhow. Thank you, daughter. I got, you got me. You with me, you with me in this. Listen to this. Adam failed God and he died. Not immediately, but death now penetrated the earth. I've said this before. The tendencies of the father become the traits of the children. So Adam died. His son was a murderer. Because the spirit of murder was lodged into him because of a word. See? His wife received the word and then from, you know, the fallen one, they're in the garden, the serpent. Then she tells the word to the man. He receives the word and therefore acts on the word received and therefore violated the creative order of God. When, when the woman was talking to the serpent, heaven wasn't moving. Nothing was going on in heaven. When she ate off the tree, nothing happened. But when she gave to the man and he did eat, now God came down. Why? Because God created an order in the earth. He wasn't worth more than her than she was worth. He, he had an assignment different. God gave him the word not to eat off that tree. And he gave that word to her. He gave that word to Adam before he makes her. Go back to the Bible. You'll get it. And then, so it's this way, men. Adam had a God said. His wife had an Adam said. Every woman marries a man into a destiny that God has set. Otherwise, the priorities of your family is at best humanistic. I asked Bob Munford, what, what was the definition of humanism? He said, humanism is the king's answers without the king. So there's a lot going on right now about social reform. I mean, look, you know, right? The, the mistreatment of people and, and, and black Americans are really fussing right now. And black lives matter. Watch this. Black lives matter. You don't know that? Why? Because black lives doesn't, don't go back to how whites treat them. Black lives go back to how God made man originally. You can get white people to treat black people right. That still won't fulfill their sense of value within. True value comes from the one who created value. Oh, man, it's hot in here right now. Put, it, put that, okay, internet. Call them up. Let them hear this. <laughs> By the fact that you're defending yourself, I'm talking about a people group, black people as a race, shows that you don't have a sense of the creative reality of God inside of you. I mean, there are white people in here. I clearly don't care. I didn't have anything to do with that. 
<laughs> Hispanics, black, Asians, Native Americans, that, that's a sovereign issue. So you got to take race back to God. So if you don't like a race of people, you got to take that up with God. That's why you can say anything to me you want. You can call me black, nigger, dumb, colored, all that. Woo! I'm looking around wondering who you're talking to. I, I don't know who you're talking to. I don't define myself that way, and I don't see in the Bible God defining me that way. So you can't put me down. What, you going to redefine what the defining one did? Knucklehead, you're a knucklehead, and you need me to pray for you and lay hands on you. And I ain't talking about the way that some people, Farrakhan, want hands laid on either. 400,000 people gathering in Washington, D.C. over the issue of value on someone who believes the book that Elijah Muhammad wrote called Message to a Black Man when his own biological son, Wallace Muhammad, said, Dad, that stuff you wrote is hokey. It's not even, it's not real. The, the historicity of it isn't correct. I'm not even staying with you. His own son becomes a Sunni Muslim. Farrakhan runs into a vacuum to try to lead black people unwitting and unknowing and clearly unsaved. And he, and he tries to be a voice, but he's not a voice. He's an echo. Oh, that's okay. You don't get it. Don't worry about it. I've been bold like this for a long time. Because why? I mean, like Clint Eastwood, you kill me, you make my day. <laughs> why? I'm be a part of the first resurrection. I'm not joking about it. If I don't die a martyr, I'm going to come close to it. So, so here you have Adam. He, he fails God. He sins. God says, because you hearken to the voice of your wife, Genesis 3. And did that which I commanded you not to do. I mean, I told you not to do that. But I gave you the ability to disobey me. The powerful thing, watch. The greatest handiwork of God. Isn't the archangels, seraphim, cherubims? None of those. The greatest handiwork of God is the creation of man. Why? Because of how he defines him. In 126, I make you in my image after my likeness. You can't, what else could he say? What else could he say higher than that? And then gives him an assignment because of his constitution, because of how he was made, he could handle the assignment. There would never be a school he would go to. He would never have to be in any kind of class. He would never have a, a, bi, a, a, a biological father. He would never be trained. He would never be an understudy. He would never be discipled. He was created the standard for the whole earth. His failure becomes the earth's failure. Now God has to say, guess what? Enoch walked with God, and it says in Hebrews 11 that he pleased God. He had this, that he pleased God. So what was the deal? And God took him. Now, was that a blessing for Enoch? Yes, it was, but was it a blessing to the earth? No, because a man that pleased God was too suitable to even stay in that generation of decline. He took a person that pleased God out of the earth. So therefore, the light of that 
standard was now no longer in the earth. The same word that Enoch walked with God is the same word that it says, and Noah walked with God. I read both of them to you. But we come to this place where we look for exceptionality because man don't really know he is. Man doesn't just learn standards. God made him a standard. That he said, be fruitful, multiply. In other words, what you are is what the earth is going to become. Out of your progeny, the earth is going to become that. I've put in your DNA structure to be like me without trying. I've only given you one restriction because it only takes one disobedience to cause a pathway, a seed to germinate, to take you the other way away from me. But as long as you do what I say, it's clear you're in agreement with me and therefore the whole earth goes the way that I determine. But one man's life and lifestyle becomes the standard for the whole earth. Generationally, without the ability to die unless he violates God. He is a forever being. He's going to live forever. Now, the truth of the matter, even though he physically died, he would have lived forever physically. Now, I'm embracing, I'm embracing more the eternity aspect of this. How much do you know about the eternal world? What do you study about heaven? What's going to happen to you when you die? There's stuff in the Bible about it. Have you ever read Hebrews 12? The great company of people that surround us today? The standard of the first couple of verses lay aside the sin and the weight that's easily beset you. Why? Because if you don't have the pathway of growing in God from grace to grace, and it's not that grace you're hearing now, foolishness. It's foolishness. And it's clear foolishness. It's a third century heresy. I mean, and you know, some of these people just didn't say, I'm going to be stupid. I mean, I was with one of the leaders recently that really is promoting that stuff. He's an he's a, he's a intrinsically good man, but he doesn't have a, a father who theologically can help him with the difference between positional theology and personal responsibility. I mean, if you can do anything you want, Jesus already paid the price 2,000 years ago for all of your sin. Therefore, and you are the body of Christ, Jesus already was killed as a result of Adam's transgression. God wouldn't kill his body twice. God wouldn't punish his body twice. I mean, that's what they're saying. You're a knucklehead. If that's a principle, man, if that's true, then it means you can do anything you want. Eat, drink, be married for the morrow you die. Just go ahead. He's, he's already paid the price. So what? So should turn the prisoners loose then. What do you put them in jail for? Jesus already paid the price already one time. Why should they go to jail? Tell the policemen to go. Tell you what, run your company like it. Right? Let the comptroller rob you, steal all your money. And then just say, well, Jesus already paid the price for that. I, I was just feeling taking that vacation over around the world trip on the, uh, on the Queen Mary too. With your money. See, it's foolishness. You can't apply that as a fixed uniform and universal value. It does not work. Then God must run heaven like that. Everybody in heaven must like be like these other people that just do anything they want. Because the grace of God, he's the lamb slain. That's the grace, right? The blood. 
No, everybody in heaven is totally in alignment with God. God said, I'm going to give you a chance to get an alignment in the earth. How I run heaven is what I want you to demonstrate in the earth. Now I got to give examples of what? Of men. You get a remnant that's going to show you how to act and how to live. So Enoch walked with God. God takes him out. So now you don't have that example like that anymore. He was more suitable for the next world than he was in this one. In that world, he's a, he's a level too high for the whole earth. You're all in decline. God said, I'm taking him out of here. Come on, brother, bruh. Gone. But Noah, he leaves any earth, only one man's standard allows, is allowed to stay in the earth. I'm taking now the whole earth out. Two different results. On the basis of your walk, would God take you out or could he use you to repopulate the earth based on the standard you're keeping? Are you holding the line? What line are you holding? Is your life totally given over to God? Like, for example, I mean, you pray for the sick and those people that, I mean, listen, if you understand the issue of destiny, and you're totally given over to God, then your standard is this. You're not going to die until God's will is fulfilled in your life. So you don't have to say a thousand times, I mean, with his stripes I'm healed. You take a strong stand on this thing and you say, no, you get in alignment with God's will. You body, I mean, you don't, you're not denying that. I mean, my assistant had, I just showed uh, uh, Bishop Zink a six-pound uh, tumor she had. They, took, they had to take it out from uh, in between her ribs out of her back because it was affecting her breathing. It was, it was benign, but you, you understand. But, I mean, she could have died. She, she's 70. But she, she understood, and she reminded God, I have an assignment. I, I'm not afraid to die. I could go into it, the kind of life she lives in prayer. I mean, just her devotion level. I don't know. I got intercessors who pray for me all, but I don't know if they're her level. She doesn't have a friend in reality because they're all scared of her. <laughs> she's too devout for them. She's holding the line. I mean, she's not going to movies. I had to say to her, Miss Ellenwood, I want you to go see War Room. And I had to hold the line with her because she doesn't go to movies. She's not just legalistic about it. She just feels like there's nothing in movies that could help her get closer to God. She's looked at some of the other ones. I won't call their names out. But War Room is her level in the sense that revival could come through a movie, but, you know, not because of the actors in it, but because of the principles that underlined it. That woman was a woman of prayer, and she took the standard that prayer is what's going to make a difference. In other words, your relationship with God is what's going to make a difference. I mean, come on. What's your relationship like with God? Is that making a difference? Or are you sitting back complaining like much of the human church is doing right now, worried about the length of the service, worried about, you know, I don't know about this praise song. You're in decline. You're supposed to be the one that shout God down, praises God down, brings heaven down. There got to be somebody holding the line. Football game, Paris with you. Fantasy football can't be fantasy Christianity. You got to stop the foolishness because you got to ask yourself, is heaven going to be populated by somebody like you? 
You got to take it seriously. You got to say, oh, man, he's done. He's firing brimstone. Look, but if heaven is real, so is hell. You can't say heaven is real and heaven is not. Hell is not. Both of those are realities. Now watch. So out of this one man, Noah's dedication level, God says, I'm going to leave Adam's seed in it, but I only can leave his, leave his seed in the earth through one man. Would you be the one he would have chosen to repopulate the earth where everything in the earth was unsuitable for God and man? Because you really, if God leaves Noah in the earth, that means that all, everything in the earth was also unsuitable for him because this man walked with God. This says, watch, it says, who you it says, when you see him, you should be like him. So it says he walked with him. He was transformed. You're transformed by the company you keep. You can't be a house of prayer and not, and not be transformed. You can't have a messed up marriage and really get with God. You can't be a lying politician and you really, in a house of prayer, And I've told you this. I've talked with some people running for office. I'm one of my, I don't know whether I would call him a son or not. I won't go there, but another actor over there in Hollywood. I'm his pastor. And, I mean, he's somebody I almost had to quit. I can't be your pastor. And basically I have this same woman I'm talking about pretty much talks to him in my behalf. Why? Because he, he still hangs in so much stuff that if I had governed all of it, it would take up half of my life. He doesn't do what I say. Do you know the Bible says, obey them to have the rule over you for they watch over your soul? And so this particular man I saw a businessman in a, in, a, in, a, in a golf course. I was walking off, and he was there. I, somehow we talked, and eventually I, I, I shared with him about this particular person, and then he asked me this question. He says, have you broken him? That's what he mean. He says, have you broken him so that his life is totally given over to God? I said, I would say he's coming. He looked me right in the eyes. I'm a bishop. I don't play, right? He says, he's not broken. He's not living at the level. You're not just coming. You either give it all over to God or you're not living anything. And then he asked me, he says, when are you going to see him again? I said, I don't know. I, I mean, I try to avoid him. <laughs> Take over my life. I got people who listen to me, do what I say, and they live godly lives. He says, well, when you go back to see him, can I go with you? He said, how long have you known him? I said, I don't know, over 15 years. He said, well, can I go with you? I said, I don't know. I think he said, well, look, let me go with you. And uh, he says, can I get 15 minutes with him then? I looked at him. And then he said, one more thing. He said, look, if you've had him for 15 years and he's not broken, can I at least get 15 minutes? <laughs> if you fall on the rock, you'll be broken. But on whomsoever the rock falls will be ground to powder. He will revive the heart of the contrite. I dwell with them who are, who are of a contrite. That's, that's the same word. It means you've given up your life 
to get his life in, in your life so that it becomes your reality. I'm afraid of God. I know he loves me. I'm afraid of him. Why? I just finished explaining to you that Adam died because he did one sin. And then there is Sodom and Gomorrah, which if you mention that around a certain group of people, they'll, they'll rail you for even mentioning the Bible on that. But here again, there is one man's dedication level, a friend of God, Abram, that, that took the number down to just, what is 10, I believe it was, to try to save. But there weren't that many people. There wasn't a restraining remnant. How long and who is the remnant that's restraining America from being judged? There's signs of it. Are you the remnant? Is your prayer life conducive to saving this whole nation? When I asked Bishop Dan about uh, Pastor Paul, he says, I, I like being in here. He says, he's cultivating a sense of the presence of God. He says that in the service, you can feel God is there, even though he's young. Well, how young or how old is cultivating a presence with God? Are you caught up in personality or presence? I, I ask a man, I'm going here, I'm being real specific. Now this is on the internet, I'm just going out there with it. I talked with a Greek wealthy person. I was on again on the golf course with this guy and we were talking about um, this certain community that I'm just mentioning. See, I'm trying to help you all out because they might not come back and listen to me, but I'm talking about this community that defines themselves like they do, and therefore God himself has rendered a judgment on, who am I talking about? Homosexual community. I couldn't hold back. I got to go and tell you. I don't talk around it. But he says, I, he says, I was in this church that the pastor he was in. Then he went from that church to Charles Stanley's church. And then he left Charles Stanley's church and went to Andy Stanley's church. And he's a wealthy man from Greece. And I said to him, I said, well, what's the difference? He says, well, one of them is a Bible-toting pastor. He's explaining the scriptures. It's just the Bible. The other one is a great storyteller. I said, well, which one are you at? He says, I like the great storyteller. I said, well, you, you, mean, you mean you don't like the Bible? He said, well, he says, I said, well, which one of them then that the Lord said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but his what? His great stories endureth forever or his word endureth forever? He says, well, which one? He says, well, uh, uh, the Bible. He says, why aren't you over there? I said to him, why aren't you over there? Where, no, you're into, you're into personality. And then he went further than that, and he said to me, well, I, I want to debate you on that. I said, debate me on what? <laughs> now, he's a fat boy. I'm talking to a fat boy. Now, you got money. I don't care. You're in decline and unbroken, and you are not standing on the standards of the word of God. He said, well, we got to be loving. We got to be winsome. What's winsome? Should I say, for mankind to live with mankind as with womankind is an abomination. Is that winsome enough for you? <laughs> you talking about intonation? Or are you talking about standards? 
He says that, that in our church, we, we gays help us. So therefore, you're saying that if Jesus is on the earth physically right now, he would get the gay community to help him do ministry? You're in decline. And it's clear decline. But what it is, you don't want criticism. You're dysfunctional. You don't want rejection. Let me tell you rejection. Let me tell you rejection. Flee from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Enter into everlasting damnation. That is rejection. Without the ability to fix it, those with Noah, they were, they were in decline. Did you read about it? They were corrupt. I looked up the word corrupt in here. There were, violence was everywhere. Aren't they, isn't that what you're seeing now? Why can't we deal with ISIS? Why do we have a president that criticizes Christianity and don't criticize Islam? Oh, I know white people feel like they can't say that. I am not talking as a black man. I'm talking as a man of God who happens to be chocolate. I don't care what pigmentation that president has. I still am going to tell the truth anyhow. You can't take money from rich people and, and, and give it to poor people just because you think that that's what should happen. It's a free market system. That's the way the system was set up. But on the basis of the principles of God, I can read to you the New England primer and tell you that the educational system was built in this nation on the word. I can tell you that the government system was built on the word. And the Bible says the government of the world should be on his shoulders. God, Jesus, carries the government. The government don't carry him. Why would we have men running for president and hardly none of them call Jesus' name out boldly? At that name, every knee must bow, every tongue confess. How dare you be ashamed of his name? Glory to God. Glory, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Are you in decline? I just talked about a few basics right now. Peter said, we've left all and followed you. That means you can't with a half heart get a whole result. You can't wish your way into heaven. You repent of your sins but every thought, word, and deed that you do puts you in the ledger of rewards or loss. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 says we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ for the deeds done in our body, that's in the earth, whether good or evil. You can be a Christian. That was said to the 2 Corinthians, Christians in Corinth. You can be a Christian and still do evil. And therefore suffer loss. How much evil can you do for God to conclude you never were saved anyway? Paul said numbers of those, uh, those disciples that was with him, that were, they were with him, but they, he said they never were with me or they wouldn't have left. Whoa, what, what standard? Are you really with this church? Do you sense what's in the young man? Can you tell by what this young man was saying up here? that he's holding the line of the standard while so many people are telling people how wonderful they are, how loving. When they know they don't read the Bible every day, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? 
word. Do you read the Bible every day? One of the things I'm making available for the man tonight is called manhunt. Is I got a man, a manhood hunt read through for the men. That means you open up, you open this up, and this will be what's this month? October? You go to October, what's the day? 18th, and guess what? You would be reading Nahum, Isaiah uh, 27, Nahum 1, 1 Chronicles 24 and 25, Daniel 8. That happens to be five chapters. But you're reading through, now if you read, can't you read four or five chapters a day? You mean you so declined that you don't read in the Bible every day, yet he's exalted his word even above his what? His name, I said his name, every knee shall bow. Now he says, my word, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word endures forever. If you don't read the word of God every day to that degree, you're not putting in the enduring qualities that can face any enemy of the cross of Christ. You can't be a real man of God unless you build on the standards of the word of God. Nor can you be a real woman of God. You're working your husband about the kind of furniture. You're working your husband what? About what? A new car? His furniture? What? If you're going to work him on anything, say, honey, look, I read this scripture. This morning, I'm up, I'm up, right? So 6 o'clock in the morning, she's preaching to me. The woman is preaching to me. Now look, she says, well, there's not but one minister in the family. And what are you doing preaching to me? For about an hour. No, maybe it was five. She's working me. She will see so at times she used to say to me, Hun, did I, I didn't marry you for you not to be there in bed when I get up in the morning, every morning. I married you because two becomes one. I mean, shouldn't I see you in bed sometimes in the morning? Because I get up a great while before day, like, and I'm praying before God. And when she says something like that, I look at her, I said, I know that it's better that I speak to God before I speak to any man or woman. That's the way I roll. That's the way I, that's the way I did. <laughs> he said, she said, you would have been better than being a single. <laughs> yeah, she's a strong woman. She don't, she, don't, she don't play around. Now she's waking up, reading through the Bible, at three or four o'clock in the morning, and then tapping me on the shoulder, asking me, honey, are you awake? <laughs> I said, sure, I could. What you know? You know I was just waiting for you to just tap me. Of course I'm asleep. <laughs> the very stuff she has issues with, almost every night she's up like that, in the word. If I ask her where she's at in scripture, she's, all, she's finished with October. She had a stroke 10, 12 years ago, which, which affected her left side, brains her in coma for two, three weeks. And, uh, and she walks a little tender now because she's supposed to be crippled in the natural on the left side, speech centers going on, and blind on one side. Now, the issue is, now, we do have a few bumps on the side of her car that lets her know that left side got some issues right now. <laughs> They're seeing you looking at me like that, but she does. And, this is really funny, though. Now, so just a few weeks ago, I got the car fixed. We're pulling in the garage. 
there was these white paint on this gold car on the left door, and I couldn't just wipe it off. It was a pretty good, like, rub. So I called one of my guys who's in that business, and they fixed the thing. The car is six weeks old. Okay. Then, just, and then I looked at the rims of the car. The rims, they were smooth at purchase. They got some, like, some, like, some curved. It's serious. Now, you know how brothers are about vehicles. It's her car, but it's the left side. It's the left side. You didn't know. See, I didn't tell you that. It's the left side. See, it's the left side you got to watch real careful. So she was saying, that's been on there for three weeks. Well, baby, don't say that because just six weeks ago, I got it fixed one. So, okay. She's saying, you just seeing it. God is her keeper. In her weakness, it's not a hindrance to her going for God. She ain't trying to run into no left side garage door. However many times she does it, I'm just going to get it fixed. Just stay in the word. My value is stay in the word. Tap me on the shoulders. Get up earlier than me, which still is going to be a trial. I don't let no wife beat me in devotion for God. I want to get that straight right now. I want you to know that. Uh-uh, I'm leading. She got the Boone name. See, that's. I'm leading this household and going for God. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm devout. She knows it. But the woman preached to me this morning. She says, well, you're the preacher. And she says, I've kept you. She don't know. I'm loving it because the world needs it. And, and, and when she's with other women, eventually she's going to do that because she's not good at small talk. Eventually, she's going to hit you with the word. Now, let me finish this message off here with you. Healing is yours, natural healing. But it's the spiritual decline that God's really after. He'll heal you physically. In other words, every, I want to say that no matter where you are right now in the spectrum of faith, every person Jesus healed when he was on the earth was a sinner. There wasn't one person that was a saint. So he doesn't precondition his, his ability. He'll, the goodness of God leads men to repentance. God will uh, knock you down with his goodness. I'm talking about bless your socks off right now. And you feel so embarrassed because you know you were wicked. And you say, oh, God, thank you so much for healing me. I give my whole life to you. That's what happened to me. I was in decline. I was, I was smoking marijuana, you know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I had them roaches. I did call them a roach. Can you imagine smoking a roach? That's, a, that's stupid. I, you, I burnt my finger on the tip. My thumb, and I don't know, still might see a little dark mark right there from them roaches. Stupid. The, the glory of God came into that room. I never went to high, from high to straight so fast in my life. The reality of God has a straightening effect. You're declined in your spiritual walk to the degree that God isn't real to you personally in the closet of devotion. If your Christianity is lived out here today and this is it, 
and you don't have the midnight watch or the early morning time, if you're not in the Word, if you're not praying alone with God, if you're never broken alone with God, if you're never singing the songs of the Lord by yourself with God, to some degree, there is a decline that has to be dealt with right now. The others are clearly falling. If I were to talk to uh, uh, the front runner in the Republican Party, you know who he is. I would say to him right away, number one, don't you have any need to talk about Jesus at all in your run? I mean, is it all you can do is talk about all these other people on that other side? And that you're better than they are without saying that Jesus in me makes me better. But you said the money in my bank account makes me better. And then I'd say to him, stop talking about yourself so much, dude. Come on. You're not ghetto. You know how I could identify with that? Because that's what I used to do all the time. Because why? I had a crisis of value, of self-worth. I needed somebody to see me. I got to tell you, don't you know what I've done? Not don't you know what he's done. Hasn't God helped you do out with any of it? If the people think you're sensibility, can't you be sensible with Jesus as the bottom line? There's something about you that people see, sir. Why don't you talk about him? See? The other side says, well, look, let's show them they don't have a key to just this Jesus talk. We can let them know we got Jesus too. So you're making a political statement. So you can just like start talking about Jesus and then people will think, okay, you're in it like they're in it. Why? Because neither one of them believe that you're authentic. So now my good friend, who talks about education, that that's the solution for people. Well, guess what? All you knuckleheads up there that nobody believes are all educated. <laughs> You're all educated. You all went to great schools. Not only that, I will say this. I'm going to mention his name, Trump. I mean, when I listened to him in Mobile, I discovered, he says, I went to Warden. What? You went to Warden? I know Warden. You know Warden Business School? Warden. MIT, Harvard. Every year, it's one, two, or three between the three of those schools in terms of business schools. They're the elite. So why you talk like, bro, you don't know? Your billion's not stupid. So why you keep repeating yourself like you're stupid? Because you know the people you're talking to are stupid. <laughs> now, what do you mean by that? They don't do primary sources. They're not researching stuff. They can't explain to you the stuff you're talking about at a primary level, you got a few of them in a certain groups of them. I can talk, I could name them if I say, they're, they're looking at the history of this country. What I mentioned to you about the history of the economic system of this country, the mercantile agency, the Dun & Bradstreet credit rating system. See, I could go into some of these things. They're not starting it out that way. They're listening to these politicians frame. So if they're articulate, we say, well, he might make a good president. Articulation? Did you hear Obama on 60 Minutes? 
this past Sunday? Did you listen to that? That's articulation. There, that's articulation. It's also manipulation at the highest level. I mean, if that isn't a snake, I don't know what a snake is. Now, what are you talking about? I mean, you can't say on the one hand, man, I, 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 well, our economy is great compared to uh, Russia and China, but great is what you define our economy. You think that economics is the premise for greatness? You're talking about economic greatness? you saying the dollar is the bottom line? We are shaking right now. The judgment of God is showing up. And you guess what? The, the people aren't, aren't, aren't talking about it enough. We are in decline. If you think that just because people are building right now and banks have loosened up and you can make loans, that money and the standard of discipline is already established. No. If you think that Putin respects us, if you think that China respects us, if you think they're removing soldiers, I mean, you know how I know. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not in the diplomatic corps in the Department of Defense, but I do know this. If a dude from the ghetto come up to me and slap me, and I say to him, well, wait a minute, what do you do that for? Let's, let's talk this out. <laughs> come on, let, let's discuss this. We should be more diplomatic about it. We're both grown people. You know what he's gonna do? Come on, say it loud. He's going to slap me again because he's going to say, you are a punk. That's what he's going to say to me. You're not a man. You, you got to stand up. But until I show him to the death that I will fight you, buddy, you don't slap me. You don't make me less than what I am. But here's the premise. We now don't know manhood. We apply it to gender, not to standards. If my wife see a man come up and slap me, she'd rather for me to get killed than to not fight him. I have to sit her down sometimes. Because there are times, I mean, she can't beat nobody. But at times, she's ready to get up and beat somebody up because of the way they... I said, baby, sit down. Okay? I mean, we were in a restaurant and her food wasn't done right. She expected me to get up, go find the waitress, and tell her to get over here right now. Leave those tables over there and get over here right now. <laughs> and it took a village to calm her down. So Bishop Zing said, look, I, I got it, I got it. And he don't know, I said, Phew. My wife would have said, you're a chump. Go get, yeah, go get that woman. My, yo. <laughs> okay, let me finish this. I kind of get out there a little bit. Not much. See, for me, I'm going to die a martyr if he doesn't take me like Enoch. But I'd rather for him to take me like Enoch because I want to please him that bad. So that, for, that means I'm praying every day. That means I'm in the word. That means I'm praying for people. Now, if, if the day was one of those kind of days, and I, I've been going to these churches and staying three days. Ask Rusty what happened over there with him for three days. See? You need hands laid on you. You need a new anointing. I, I, know, I clearly know it. I clearly know it. 
I didn't joke about coming here. You need hands to look. Do you remember the day when somebody would put the word out and somebody like me, which you know, I don't left my notes and not giving you, you know, stuff. I could give you stuff about eternity. You remember when you said, like, look, you got to come back like tomorrow. Can you come back tomorrow night? Look, we'll, we'll do this because you were so hungry. You wanted the word. You would not only get the CD tape, you would listen to it. You were hungry like that. You'd say, would you pray for me? I want hands laid on me. Not just because you need healing, but because you want the next level. Don't you remember when you would get together and you couldn't hardly have to run you out? They had to blink the lights on and off to say, we're going to shut the church down now. You know, we got to leave. You got to leave here sometime. But you enjoyed being with people with a like precious faith. Don't you remember those days? And then you, would, you wouldn't say, somebody would come over to your house and say, and say man, did you, did, you, did, you, did you get that scripture he gave the other day? Did you see about decline? Do you see all that? And then you say, yeah. You wouldn't say, well, why are you here? Um, couldn't you have called first? What's happening to us? See, we are supposed to be so full of light, which means joy, so loving the word, so into the Holy Spirit. You're prophesying over each other when the service is over. If, if, if there's no prophecy here, you're praying for each other. There are circles that form. Nobody said form little prayer circles. But you're so engaged in here. You're looking around saying, who can I pray for? Who's in here need a word? I, glory to God. I've got to get to somebody. Where is that? Isn't that you? This church isn't just to grow because of the systems in place. It's to grow because of a transformational anointing that's in your life that's affecting other people. It just comes out, well, what, what church are you going to? What religion are, are you? Uh, where, where? And boom, you say, oh, yeah, oh, our church is on fire. Oh, glory to God. Man, it's such, the, the worship is incredible. You think you were at, no, I wouldn't say this, but like the concerts you used to like, this is better. In here, in here. Every Sunday, the praise and worship team, you shake the earth. I just sent, you know, Keith Kraft. I mean, I, I got these people that send me texts every Sunday morning. I send something back to him. My word to him was shake the earth today. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. You shake the earth. I send Rusty. Uh, they send me, text me every Sunday morning. I send them something back. Uh, you understand? Shake the earth. Have an impact. Don't die until you have a metron. You got to impact the earth. You're not just let somebody else do it for you. You're the one with the divine call on your life. You're going to make a difference today. You're going to make a difference. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. Let me pray for you. I hate ending. I hate For years, we've been talking about not coming to this place to get our next little quarter tank filled so we can make it to Sunday, but that we would be running over with the presence and the passion for God and for Christ that everyone that surrounds us sees it, feels it, receives it, and follows it. When Jesus said, come and follow me, and then he turned around and told us to go and make disciples of all men is so that men would follow us. And let me ask you a question. What would they be following you? Where would they be following you? What is your greatest passion? That's what you talk about. 
That's what you think about. That's what you dream about. That's what you inspire your kids about. And if it's not Jesus, you've got a serious problem. If it's not God, there's something wrong. A man called me right before I got to church tonight, and I said, a whole man, a man that is whole will fix his entire family. Every fear, every dysfunction, everything out of place is supposed to be the outpouring of a serious man. What he, what he carries with himself to those that are closest to him is called his family. Let's raise our hands to the heavens. Father, we want what Wellington Boone is talking about, your spirit through this man. We want to receive it. We welcome it, Lord. We want it to be authentic and real and not religious and hypocritical. But in order for that to take place, you're going to have to come in deeper into our hearts and capture us with your love at a greater level. We pray, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit, Father God, would be that force that compels us to not walk after Christ, but to run after God, to be passionate about him. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that he be our devotion. And Lord, that's why this world is like it is, because there's not many men that are living to please you above all things. We pray, O oh God, that it's not good that man would be alone. You've given us our wives. We thank you for our wives. We thank you for their zeal, for their passion to please and to serve you and to see your glory upon their household, upon their children. Peace, joy, and righteousness in our homes. We pray, Father God, that you continue to use them. We give you thanks for our sons, Lord, because many of the sons out of the mouth of babes are speaking words that we should be speaking to them. They're speaking to us. And we pray, Father God, that Spring of Life would not just be another church in Miami, but it would be filled with people that are passionate about you. Amen. That every time somebody hears about our worship and the excellence of our devotion towards Christ, that it would inspire the entire city to want to be part of the Spirit of God in this place. And give us that zeal and give us that passion so we might glorify you upon the earth. That's what you created us for, that we might glorify you. And we're thankful, Lord, for the peace and the joy. We're thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you for washing our sins. We give you thanks for the blood of the lamb, O oh God. We give you thanks for the lamb that was slain before the beginnings of the earth, O oh God. And I pray, Father God, that we're not in decline but that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the earth, that people might find their way as they see us live our life for your glory and in alignment with your purpose, and that not one second, not one minute, not one hour, not one, one day go by that we're not living in that reality that this is the day the Lord has made for us to rejoice and to be glad. Crown us, O oh God, with the favor of serving you with excellence. Give us wisdom, O oh God. And we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. The house of God says amen, amen, amen. and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.